This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Julie Bowen. And I'm Chad Sanders. And this is Quitters. Were we supposed to say that together? I don't know. This works. I like it like this. Okay, this is Quitters. Quitters, the podcast. Yes, it is. What do you think the uh, punctuation is there? Quitters, colon, the podcast. We only trademark Quitters. Oh, so it's just (laughs) Quitters. I'm being told by our producer, Rachel, that we only trademarked Quitters. So it's Quitters. It's just Quitters. And we talk about people who have quit things that they felt defined them and how it changed their life. And we did that. We did it with Ty. (gasps) Ty Burrell. This was special. Did you like him? I loved him. Oh, shit. (laughs) Chad, how would you describe your relationship with LA I love yous? I don't like them. They can feel (laughs) a little forced. Once somebody says I love you to you, it's almost like you have to say it back. Yeah. But I did, actually. I really, really, really liked him. (laughs) (laughs) Now, he's lovable in the deepest way. That's the first time I've really spoken to him or seen his face since we wrapped, um, Modern Family wrapped in February 2020. So this was particularly moving and meaningful to me. He is the first guest I've seen slow you down a little bit. Mm. Because he's the first man who ever handed me the stop talking card (laughs) (laughs) and made me aware that more is not always better. I didn't expect to like him so much. I didn't expect to admire his tone and his self-awareness so much. And then Julie cried afterward. Oh, and so much. It was really very touching, to be honest. I cried like a baby. Well, I hope you enjoy the episode. Me too. Don't quit us. Sorry, I'm late. It's fine. This is Chad. Chad, nice to meet you. Hi, how are you doing? Now I'm switching to the old man glasses. There we go. Oh, my baby, look at your beautiful, thick, mustachioed face. I'm so happy to see you. You look so handsome, Ty Burrell. The hair is like lush and wild. Cowboy life is suiting you. Oh, thank you. You look 10 years younger than when we stopped working. Well, I think we all do because we got some sleep, but then there was too much sleep and then we went into slug mode. So I want to officially introduce you to Chad Sanders, whom I met online the same way we're meeting a while ago, maybe six months ago after I read his op-ed piece and his book, uh, Black Power. Black Power. What am I saying? Black Magic. We're off to a good start. Dinging, Here we dinging. go. These are for Ty. Remember that Julie stopped talking. <laughs> well, I love it. we have. So, I mean, that is an amazing <laughs> thing. That, what a great omen for the podcast. Just kick it off with like real self awareness. Yes. Wait. What was the Julie stop? It was that you would write on a sheet of paper. Julie stopped talking. No, and I gave slide him these cards, like calling cards, and it says stop talking because he would usually just drift away from a conversation when he was like, oh, no, this is getting weird. And Julie's about <laughs> to stick her foot in it. And he would sort of just float away. There were many things that after you work together long enough, you sort of like 
figure out how to help each other in certain ways. But at first, I would sort of just drift off. And I never noticed it until one time you go, oh, dear, here we go. And you just (laughs) (laughs) slipped away. In the classic, charming Julie way, she gave me a card and was like, just present this one. (laughs) When necessary. (laughs) Yeah, let's make some of those. Well, tell Ty where the bells came from. Ty, just to give you quick context, for the last two or three years of my life, until maybe a year ago, I didn't really have very many white people in my life. And I used to. And then when white people started coming back into my life, I was like, damn, this is hard sometimes. You know, this hurts sometimes. And so when we decided we were going to do this thing together, I wanted to try to protect our relationship and also my own feelings. So I sent Julie these bells before I came to her house for the first time. And I was just like, you know, if one of us steps in it, if one of us says something that hurts the other person, if someone says something that's microaggressing or any of the things, you know, let's just ding the bell. Put a pin in it and we'll come back to it or we'll address it right there just so it doesn't just float away, but remain resentful and you know, you guys feel like your relationship is more sophisticated and advanced than my 21 year marriage. Well, <laughs> imagine how many times I've stepped in it. I embrace the bells. It's very cool. Ty, so I think we're probably going to jump around a bunch here. So please forgive me for kind of starting just at a place that I am really compelled by in your life and in your story. So, Ty, this show is about quitting stuff, stuff that feels big and stuff that feels self-defining to make space for the good stuff, the stuff that we really want to be about and we really want to do. And I saw three things in your story that stuck with me related to quitting. One is that it sounds like you almost quit acting before modern. And then two is it sounds like you have sort of quit the Hollywood like the scene of it, you know, which I really admire. And then three is it sounds like you have had a journey of wanting to quit auditioning (laughs) throughout your life. (laughs) Can I start with the second one? Because it's just really interesting to me. You know, you live in Utah. Like, why not here? And I don't know, just what's your relationship with Hollywood? Boy, I feel like you have more of an insight to me than I do. But I think that Julie knows this. Like, I've definitely struggled a little bit about how much I want to be engaged in the business. I like, I talked a lot about kind of maybe retiring after the show. And I think you kind of touched on two important points. One of them is that, yes, that is always in my mind. I mean, I'm not really addressing your, your first question right here, but I will come back to it. Part of it though, is because I'm also protecting myself. It cost me so much. And I don't know if this is, you know, if I'm just wimpier than other actors, but it cost me so much to audition all of the years to get to Modern Family that I just always felt like I was on fumes emotionally. Can I ask what it cost you specifically? It cost me, I think just emotionally, I, I, I was tired of feeling that thin, like on the edge all the time, you know, job to job. And we were starting the process of having kids and it just started to feel like a young man's game. Mm. And when the show came, I kind of just grabbed on like a life raft (laughs) (laughs) and, and was so thrilled to be able to do the thing that I love most, you know, with people that I love so much, but I think equally thrilled to not be exposed. And that's where I kind of feel like maybe I'm overly sensitive because I know there are just so many actors who go into those audition rooms 
And you see men, women, transgender people across the spectrum, you know, anybody who's in their in their 60s, mm. 70s, I know, mm. 80s, you know, that are just hard at it and they're thick skinned. And I just admire it so much, but I'm not cut from that cloth. And I also felt exhausted by the normal interactions. And this is nothing new. I don't think about Hollywood and I don't have disdain for it. I have more of like, I question my own ability to sort of withstand it. Mm. But most of the interactions feel transactional, Mm. you know? Whereas, you know, we have a good group of friends, our cast, I have good friends down there, but most of the stuff's outside of that, which is all of the other things you go to, does feel in some way transactional. And every time we would come up here, my wife is from here, and long, boring story, my family ended up owning some bars here and stuff. And it just didn't feel that way. It never feels that way up here. It just felt simpler. That was a very long answer. No, this Don't worry. podcast is over, right? We're done. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't worry. You were really saying meaningful things because I watched it from the outside. I watched you sort of make that turn because you were like, you were Captain Fun. <laughs> and if Ty was going to go to all the parties, like there was a year, like second year, maybe that we were nominated for everything. And it might have been the year you and I won. We kind of went to every party. Yeah. I remember being like, it's a challenge. We're going to do everyone. And it was funny and fun and light. And I watched you and I always felt like you're a really good moral benchmark for me. And I saw you start to take steps back. And I always assumed the kids and your wife and wanting more balance about that. And that I saw it in my own marriage, like, you know, my ex-husband was not interested in going to those parties. The significant others started dropping off from those events pretty precipitously. And I assumed that it was about you wanting to spend more time with them. The other side is that you actually wanted to spend less time at those events. Like, regardless. Yeah, I think it's both. It's definitely both. You know, I got a late start at parenting. So the sweet spot of before my kids hate me, it feels like it's this time. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. it's right now. Like, typically, most people my age, their kids are, you know, in college or, or whatever. Yeah. My girls are nine and 11. And... And that definitely was part of it, was like also when they got to be five or six, you know, those things, they ended up being like three or four nights a week, Mm. you know, Mm. sometimes. And it kind of dawned on us that we were gone a lot. So that was part of it too. But I don't want it to sound too like altruistic because I really do think that there's a big part of it that was my, like, I just don't have a thick enough skin, maybe in some ways. Like... It's a business where that's not a hidden thing. These things are not hidden. People just know that that's the way it is. And I really admire people who can do that and play that game and maintain a sense of who they are. Mm. Because I think that's what I feel like I'm vulnerable to is that I'm actually, it's not even as much of a disdain for it as knowing that I'm vulnerable to being pulled outside of who I am, which I wish that weren't true, but I think it kind of is. Ty, thanks for spending time on this topic because I do think people who haven't lived your life and who aren't in this snow globe, you know, you hear that it's transactional and it can be a little gross sometimes, but you don't really get to see it. So I would ask, can you paint a little bit of the picture of the ride in and up in that environment when you were enjoying it? What did it look like and feel like that made it fun and that made it exciting? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but I think it was a direct reflection of where I actually thought I was headed. 
you know the celebration was such a like every single event was like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) like this is crazy like not just this is crazy because i think everybody feels that but like you know you referenced my planning on that maybe i was gonna quit i really was like i just don't think i can do this i'm like holding on to this steering wheel of this jet and their panels are like, you know, flying off and I'm just sort of like trying to keep it up. And I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. So then when it happened that the show actually did well and we all liked each other and, and we were doing a thing that we genuinely love to do, it really is like when you hear about bliss, you know, kind of your life's adventure. And when you land in that spot where you're like, I'm doing the thing that I actually love to do with people that I love to do it. It was a reflection of really, on some level, even though I up here I was remaining optimistic of a deep sense that it was not, <laughs> that was not in the cards. Wow. And so I think it was a true celebration. My gosh, it just felt like almost like a flash. Those five years, really, I will say like three or four, mm-hmm. just felt like a hot flash. Um, like a menopausal hot flash. Ty's menopause. My andropause. So yeah, it was really, really special. And I will say like being in that position, this is an entitled position because we were in that spot. I didn't have to audition. Didn't have to do the things that I was having to do before. Do you mind my asking a question? Are you from LA, Chad? No, I'm from Maryland. I live in New York and I've never lived in LA. I am a screenwriter, so I come here for work and then go back most of the time. But my fiance and I probably are going to come here really soon to spend some time out here. Right. And I have, I mean, I have a lot of judgment, if I'm just going to call it what it is, a lot of judgment about Hollywood, about Hollywood interactions. And I think, like, if I get washed away in just the momentum of give people what they want from you in these interactions, I'm a little scared of, like, what else I'll give up in, mm. in doing that. So, yeah, I mean, I obviously really relate to that. So when did you start coming out to L.A.? I started coming out in 2017. To give a little bit more context, I changed jobs. That's sort of the impetus for the show is that I worked in technology first. I quit and, you know, I was struggling trying to be a writer, kind of sleeping on the floor type of thing. And a couple things broke really well for me. Like I would say God just kind of lined them up for me. I met Spike Lee. He picked up a pilot that I had. He put me on my first first class flight to Hollywood. And it was really the movie thing sort of from there where it was like, wow, you know, took me all around. And And then I went right back and was right back sleeping on the couch again. But at that point, I had seen, wow, what could be there. Right. And then got some opportunities to write for shows and stuff like that started happening. And it's all still new. You know, it's all within the last four years. And I mean, it is so alluring. Everything that I see when I look at the two of you is like, it feels like, wow, they live in a magic land. Everything's good. Nobody gets sick. They have money and fame and, Mm. you know sex or whatever it is that they want. But then I just, I can feel it, you know, when I'm here, when I'm actually interacting with a person and it's a human, I'm like, this is more complicated than just how it looks sometimes to me. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you've actually seen it. You know, there's the version of coming out to LA and being on the outside of it completely 
that's its own story. You know, I've been on that side as well, but getting the first class flight and landing and going into those rooms and getting a glimpse of this thing can almost be torturous, right? In a way of like what you're talking about, about keeping your center. Mm-hmm. It's right there. I remember like my first, I'm sure you would have your versions of this too, Julia, but like the first time you really went into a higher level meeting in Los Angeles. I was terrified. Yeah. I find it was terrifying. I didn't think I belonged there. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I was relating to in your story with, I was fortunate to have been working more steadily before Modern Family. But at the same time, it wasn't until Modern Family that I felt like this town's throwing me a party and I do deserve to go there because it was such a great ensemble and I felt so good about our show. Mm -hmm. That was fun. But then before that, all the, and some after that, the kind of come, 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 it did feel and does at times feel transactional. Like when they first offer to honor you at something and you think, oh my God, you want to honor me? And that means we want you to bring in all your famous friends and we want you to pay a lot of money for a table. And you realize, this is not an honor. (laughs) (laughs) Ty, can I ask though, during Modern Family, you started stepping back just from the funsies, but you still did your job, obviously. What changed for you internally or did anything change for you internally when you started to step back a little? If I were going to put it down on one thing, I did a job and I was gone. I was away from the family. And I don't think I had really had a moment to have some introspect about what I really wanted. And I understand that that is a luxury. You know, that is an absolute luxury because cut to 15 years before and my gratitude for being in that exact same spot would have been flipped completely to have work. I understand how important that is. I would never put this on somebody who's just trying to make their mark or get their health insurance or whatever. So understanding that that's a real luxury. And that changed a lot for me, for sure, combined with the fact that my kids are getting a little bit older. I was lucky enough, lucky, unlucky. At the beginning of Modern Family, I had two babies in my belly and one, one outside of my belly. And then I always felt that push pull. And I always felt that there was no resolution to it. There was no way. I was like, what am I going to do? Quit my job? Quit my kids? There was just no way to ever get a fully satisfying answer. But I would watch you and you seem to have found something, a balance that was very satisfying. Or did I misread No, I think it ended up being that way. I have felt content for a long time. But I also just would sprinkle in the idea that some of that is that it's not a, a virtue Some Mm. of it is that I just can't, I feel like I sort of just, I don't hold up to it well. There's something we both quit early on, and I'll let Ty explain it better, but it was the game of more, the Google game of more. Oh, yeah, right. And when the show first came out, you could Google the show yourself, whatever, and it was just like angels were pooping everywhere, just glory, glory, glory. And Ty discovered that, what? (laughs) Well, I actually think this is kind of an interesting subject because I think this is true of anybody on earth of like, how much validation do you need Mm -hmm. in your life? Like how much validation, external validation do you need? Because this joke became at the end of a Google page, this is like season one, literally, (laughs) when the show was starting to do okay, you know, 
do you take the gamble of more, like another Google page to see if you're going to get more praise? <laughs> and, and the game of more never ends well, because there's going to be that comment. And me personally, the one thing that is negative, I feel is the, always the one that's the most truthful. <laughs> like, yes. oh, they nailed it. Yes. They nailed yes. it. Yes. Um, yes. And I feel like though that's not specific to our business at all. Right? Am I right about that? I would say so. I published a book in February called Black Magic. I mean, for the first three months that it was out, I would read this super complimentary, gushy kind of, yeah. again, almost transactional, like celebrity stuff, like blurby stuff, because I knew I was guarded from the negative stuff in that way. Right. But then I did for, I don't even know why, but for one reason I went and read like the Google reviews and I just saw one. I think it actually stung a little bit more because it was from a young black man, probably about my age. Right. And he said like, this is a good book, a little bit dry. And I've just had like dry, stuck, like dry, dry, wow. dry, stuck wow. in my head. Not just even about the book, but about me. Like, oh, fuck, gosh. am I dry? Like, and trying to be less dry, you know, because... Right. Because one person... Because one person said on, that. In the game of more. In a four-star review. And, 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 <laughs> right. and I've held on to it. And like, mm -hmm. it's the only review I can recall. I can't even picture any of the other ones. I can't give you a word from any of the other ones. Right. And actually right. tied to that point, I'm also curious, you know, you're an outlier interview for us, I would say, in a few ways. And here's another one, which is that it seems that you have no social media presence. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, that thing, social media, has almost become a utility at this point, it seems, yeah. in American life and in the world. So, like, did you even make a decision not to be a part of that? Or was that just something that had such a glaring you know, stay away sign that you didn't even get close to it. I did make a decision, but I, once again, I would say it has more to do with my sense of vulnerability to it than it does my disdain for it. Mm. I think I have a tremendous amount of admiration for social media in so many ways, social justice being right at the very top of it. But, you know, there's so many aspects of social media that I really admire. I'm a massive time waster. Like... I can get rid of, if you need like three hours to be gotten rid of, you call me. I can get rid of it for you. Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. It's going to involve fishing or yeah. beer or something. Yeah, I'm like the cleaner in those crime movies. You know, you just, yes. you give me the keys and you leave your house and you come back and the body's gone. Like My three hours are just yeah, gone. Your three I don't hours even know what will happened. be gone. I definitely, I definitely felt like I was vulnerable to being somebody who would basically put my identity into it. Like you're getting a theme here that I, I think I'm somebody who is vulnerable to giving myself up in some ways that I don't love about myself, but mm. social media is one of those things. And then I also understand that it's a luxury to not be engaged because I recognize that nowadays it's a real tool. It's the tool, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. If yeah. you're trying to put yourself out there or you're making something really special, it's the thing to do. And I really got lucky in that the boat that we were on that got pushed out was mm. before that was the case. So I feel very grateful for that. But, you know, it's funny because in thinking about what I've quit, like, I don't think I have a tremendous amount of self-discipline. So I was like, wow, what if I quit? <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I'm trying and failing at, but trying, is my phone. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really trying to quit my phone in, in a lot of ways, especially around my girls mm-hmm. Yeah, and failing. I'm noticing that almost like biting your nails or something, I'll just be on my phone. Yeah, I don't know where it started. And we're actually even like trying to like set time limits, like between, you know, this and bedtime, I'm putting my phone somewhere else. And Well, did you get that new update has that? It's kind of fantastic. At first I was confused. It has these focus, it says focus, and you can turn it on and not be, it's sort of like do not disturb. You yeah. can have an emergency breakthrough or whatever, but otherwise, no, no, that doesn't stop you from picking it up and checking the sports score. It doesn't stop yeah, you. No. It stops the incoming, but it right. doesn't stop. It can't stop the outgoing. Yeah. Going yeah. down the rabbit hole of the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> <laughs> It's the NBA. This is something we all share. We all love basketball. Are we we all NBA people? Yeah. Well, we can do another hour on... (laughs) Let's do an NBA show. On how to, you know, be a winning team in the era of the three ball. But Chad, are you on social media? And I'm curious about your point of view on it in terms of your day-to-day life. I am. And Ty, I keep admiring you more and more. Like, I mean, I'm not even bullshitting. I really am like, man, be like this dude. I am the native generation to social media. So Facebook came around when I was a junior in high school. So it's been with me since then, which is 16 years, something like that. I have a fraught relationship with social media. My fiance works in social media as a profession. She's like native to that as an industry also. And she's an expert. And I am... Like you, if I'm just going to be honest, I'm very sensitive to how people see me and how they think about me and what they say to me and about me. And so I have to limit my exposure to that. I have had all the funky, you know, comment policing settings on my stuff. And I try to use it as an outbound tool to just like use almost as a billboard where I just put something up and I can't receive back what anybody says to it or about it. But, you know, I have relapses where I kind of slip into checking the comments and the DMs and it's the weirdest thing. It's like, I don't know if it's a way to pass time. I don't know if it's a way of just getting an agitation that I kind of want sometimes for some reason. Are you looking for the negative? Are you looking for the game of more? Like you're looking for that stop that goes dry. Yeah, I I, I think I'm looking for conflict. Yeah, I think I'm looking to combat something a little bit. So you're not looking for the good feeling that you get from a movie and like, oh, he's amazing. What a great writer. He's so cute. I love Mm, him. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. That feels like a really big, big psychological question, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as the game of more. And the Mm -hmm. reason that you might click for the next page, there's something about that. Yes, you want, you're looking for more praise, but there's something in there that's a little bit more morbid than that, which is like, it's like a horror movie or something. Yeah, (laughs) yes. And I don't know, I'm not smart enough to know what that is, but I have a feeling it has something to do with confirming something about yourself that you don't like. Oh, yeah. When I go to the app now, Instagram is like the one I use the most now. I literally put my hand over the screen because I'm just going to my direct messages, which are at the top of the screen, just to see what meme Rachel has sent me in the last (laughs) seven minutes. But I read this book that I recommend to everyone. It's like 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. And it's written by this guy's name's Jaron Lanier. And he used to work at, I believe, Google and Facebook. And he's one of the Mm. sort of early pioneers. 
And he talks about in great detail how that sort of agitating, hurtful tension that Facebook, Instagram, Twitter provide for us is way more addictive than than the good stuff, than the complimentary stuff. So they pump more of it into your face. Really? Yeah. Really? And he says, uh, and I love this thing, he's like, there are only two industries that label their customers users. And they oh. are the drug dealing industry yeah. and the technology wow. industry. Wow. Yeah. Right. That's really interesting. I'm not very good at social media. I'm definitely the outbound. I like how only. you outsource it. It's all outbound. I don't never read comments at all because I'm too sensitive. That's a credit to you for not reading them. I'd be more like you, Chad, where I think I don't know if I could avoid it. Mm. I'm sure you're going to still act. I see that you're producing things. You haven't quit Hollywood altogether, but you've kind of quit the physicality of it, of being here, of working here on a daily basis. Does it feel really different? It feels really good. Mm. It feels really good for me personally. Like it feels different. And I don't think it's specific even to this location, although I really like Salt Lake City. It feels like if this had been, you know, Oklahoma City or Bishop, California or anywhere, I think it would feel the same kind of good, mm-hmm. which is people just don't care about the same things that happens in a one industry town. It's like being in D.C., right? Yeah, yeah. politics. Yeah, It's all about politics or Detroit. It's all about cars. L.A., it's all about this industry. And up here, it's all about the outdoors. And mm. that's what people care about. It really is. It's about like all the conversations that used to be about, you know, people's jobs or like what people are working on or whatever it is, you know, up here, it's like, what's the snow base? You know, like how, <laughs> how many inches of snow do we have? And up until then, what can we do? You know, it's just, I find it to be really refreshing. I bought some land and didn't have a toilet on the land. And we used to make up these ideas for sort of these like porta potty on a tower that could be like filled all the way. This is not going to help my cause. And (laughs) I I don't think anybody's going to want to come camp, although I invite both to come camp at some point. But (laughs) we're using a sawdust toilet. Can you explain a sawdust toilet? It really works. And I don't want to take up too much uh, podcast time with it. No, but go for it. All it is is sawdust. Sawdust eventually breaks down into soil. With the human bits in it. With the human bits in it. I'm not suggesting that you're a wood chipper of, yeah. uh, of human yeah, parts. With, with human in it. With human. Some people have never come back from Ty's land. <laughs> Somebody's got to be, you know, the soil. So you were like, I don't have the discipline to quit, but you've quit a lot. You've quit a lot of things, just not in dramatic, showy, you know, I quit eating sugar and look at me now ways. And that's so you and I can sing your praises officially to anyone who's listening that that's always been tied to undersell who he is and what he does. But I think you live a very authentic life. I hope that's true. I I feel like I don't think I could go so far as to call it quitting because I feel like most of it I just sort of opted out of before I got myself in trouble. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just felt like the things that we're talking about are things that for better or worse internally, I feel like they're failings. Yeah, I know. I know. And my therapist would say that it's very immature. It's very black and white to say that I'm not going to look at the comments. I'm not going to Google myself. I'm not going to look at the scale. That that is very young and immature to live in that black and white. Yes, no binary universe is not evolved. 
but I can't actually handle the in-between. So I'm going to choose being a five-year-old and saying no. I really admire the people that do. I have lots of people in my life that are very capable of that. And I don't know, maybe deep down, they're also feeling more than I think they're feeling. But it seems like there are people that can kind of roll with criticism. (laughs) And yeah, for whatever reason, it feels a little bit like a weakness. But, But I really admire people that, you know, that it doesn't bother. One of our fake daughters didn't bother. Ariel, I remember saying, you don't want to put so much of yourself online. Just trust me, I'm old. And she was like, trust me, I don't care. Right. And I was like, you don't mean that. You don't mean that. You don't mean that. Right. She meant it. Mm. Right. She meant it. I was like, but you're going to attract negativity. And she was like, I don't care. And she did not care. And that is the positive of being a digital native and a social app native. But to me, that's unthinkable. I could never get there. I envy it. Mm -hmm. I envy somebody who has that much of a sense of self. Mm. that they can read those things and have it sort of just bounce up or roll off of them. I think that's kind of amazing. Well, Ty, we've taken a lot of time. I feel bad about it, but I love him so much. I don't want him to go away. What a pleasure. I'm like, I've fought tears like four times in this. I miss you so much. I really do. Miss you too, Julie V. I'm so happy that you're in Salt Lake and I can't wait to see you again. I miss you too. And I love you so much. I love you. And you don't have to say it because you just met <laughs> No, but I really like you and I really admire you, Ty. Thanks, Chad. And I do Thanks, really seriously mean that. And there's there's a lot more about you that I want to learn and I'm going to try. I'd love to continue this conversation. I really admire, I admire you, Chad, for sure. Thank you. Well, he's awesome and you should get his book. I'll send it to you. Yeah. And he had a great op-ed in the New York Times, too, called I Don't Want Love Texts from My White Friends <laughs> during all the BLM protests. Right, right. And it made me super uncomfortable. And I'm trying to embrace that these days. So yeah, you do good with that. Yeah. I love you. Love you. Say hi to Holly and the kids. Thanks, Ty. Thanks, Chad. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 